Okay, so you know how like you have like little sayings with people? Mm-hmm. Uh, for years, I always say to Lola, like out of the blue, I'll say, oh, do you know what? And she'll go, what? And I say, I love you. <laughs> and so today, oh, God. she woke up and chose teenager dumb. Oh, God. And we were driving in the car, and I go, I go, do you know what? And she goes, let me guess, you love me. So I put her in a box on the side of the road and said, free puppies. You know what? Let me tell you something. This is why I could not have children. <laughs> Because I would say, oh, 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 you think you know? I brought you into this world, and I will remove you from it. That's what my dad used to say to me. Oh, don't say the that. Don't compare me to your dad. Trouble. Can you believe that? Wow. <gasps> How old is she now? I don't know. 26. You know what, though? I think back, I really can't talk shit about any teenagers because I'm sure I was the rudest teenager. Yeah. Hey, sweetie. Can I call you back in a little while? Why, Mom? Trying to put the baby down. Oh, can I just ask you a quick question? Of course. Number one, do you love that baby more than me? Sometimes. Okay. <laughs> and number two, what was the most rotten thing I said to you as a teenager? Hold on. She's going to say, I wish Cindy Mosier were my mom. Yeah. What was the most rotten thing I ever said as a teenager? You said you hated me and you wish that Cindy Mosier was your mother. <laughs> love you, mom. Okay, bye. I said that once in my life, and this demon has never let me forget it. And you know what? Now you're paying for it. And for the next 20 years, whenever my mom and I got in a fight, she'd go, well, why don't you call Cindy Mosher and see if she'll let you go? (laughs) So welcome, everyone, to our podcast, I Think Not, where Joey Taranto and I recap all of your favorite true crime TV shows. We were bopping around and we just decided we love See No Evil so much. We're going to give you a whole month of it. It's just a really well-made TV show. It is really good and it's almost like watching a movie. Yeah. It really is very like that because you're like, well, what's going to happen? I also feel like I'm part of the investigation. I'm like, wait, what's that? What's that in the corner? I love it. So you are going to get five full episodes of See No Evil just because we like it that much. And if you would like to have a little bit more nonsense, really years of nonsense, you can go visit us on the Patreon. You can go to patreon.com and find us there. And you can unlock a Pandora's box of gay. Nonsense. That yeah, is same right. Thing. We got we had that old gay girl. We got that new gay girl. We have shows dating back to Snapped. We have Evil Lives Here. I almost got away with it. Pink Collar Crimes. It's all there. You got ad-free options and you got options to get a little bit more of Joey and I in your ears. And who wouldn't want that on this beautiful day? My mother. Okay. Also moving forward, we've decided to switch up our format a little bit. We are going to be covering one show a month instead of doing four to five different shows a month. We're just going to stick with one show for the month. Let everybody get nice and comfortable like they're slipping into a warm bath. Yeah. And then we'll move on the next month. Well, I think it's really fun to like find new shows that people might not have been, you know, watching or looking into. So I think it's fun. Yeah. Instead of giving you a morsel, we're going to give you a meal. Yeah. That way we can get used to the format too and we can give you better episodes because that's, we are here for you. And we take all of your feedback. We take all of your DMs and we nuzzle it in a little bow and we hug you right back and we give you what you want. Yes. But there's a few of you whose suggestions we won't be taking. One in which that person who told me to fuck off. That's not going to happen. I'm so sorry. I'm here. Who told you to fuck off? 
Uh, oh, wait, that was you. Oh, right. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. Here we go with See No Evil Season 4, Episode 2, Scene at Susan's. Please let me know that you're okay. A small town disappearance. It was all my parents could think about. The only word there is to describe it. Torture. A web of deceit. The question is, why is he lying? Multiple suspects. Everywhere we turned, people had motives. Every one of them caught on camera. This is crazy. Crimes aren't spectator sports. Nobody's usually there. Only CCTV can reveal who is guilty. If there's one thing that can help crack a case, it's a video camera. This could be the answer to the entire case. Well, here we are on April 11th, 2008 in Glendive, Montana. And we hear about 34-year-old Susan Casey, who's about to have her a Friday night out on the town. And Susan, we hear right off the get-go, Susan is recently separated from her husband, Ted Casey. And she is diving back into the dating pool, which can be... Scary and exhilarating all at the same time. It's a it's very similar to butt stuff, you know? Okay. Scary and exhilarating. Oh, yeah. I actually can see I can see that correlation. I yeah. don't know if we needed that. Excited and scared. <laughs> <laughs> There's a niche reference for our musical theater nerds. Well, if you want another one, every time they kept saying Ted Casey, I kept saying, who's Fred Casey? <laughs> so there you go. Let's My start, ex-boyfriend. Let's start with the niche right off okay. the top. And um, which is great. I'm glad she's finding love again. I'm, I'm happy when I realize that everybody um, is not broken. She moved into an apartment and the kids went with her. Susie had four kids. Mariah and Shay from a previous marriage, and then she had Charlie and Kiana. And she loved her kids and would do anything for them. Oh, you made me toast? Mom, mm. Susie was an outgoing, happy person, and she was a tease. Susan's sister is here, Kim, and she says that everything was going well in her life. She was actually really happy. Susan had four kids. She had Mariah and Shay from her first marriage. And then she had Charlie and Kiana from her marriage with Ted. Yeah, this is a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids. And so they made it work. Now, Susan's mom, Marlene, is here. And she says, look, Susan was very outgoing. A very outgoing person. She liked to tease people and give them a hard time. I don't which, know anybody like that. I yeah, wish, neither I, wish do I, I. Yeah, I wish I had more people in my How life How are your like bangs that? today? <laughs> Actually, your hair looks really cute. I cut them myself. When's the last time somebody else professionally trimmed your bangs? I don't know, Joseph. But I, you had I'm to guess. A, I, I am not a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> On this night, Susan is leaving Mariah and Shay at home while she goes out, and the youngest two are with their dad. But come morning, there's a problem. Mom, are you there? Mom, it's me. Mom, seriously, pick up. So the next morning, the kids wake up and Susie isn't home. That honestly must be terrifying. Absolutely. If I go out to the car and Lola is like hollering for me, she is, Mom, I didn't know where you went. I don't know where she gets it from because I am (laughs) calm. But That's an Italian in y'all. Okay. But she freaks out. Could you imagine waking up? 
I mean, I've actually done that. I've left the house when Lola's asleep, but I'll send her a text or leave her a note. But just waking up to no parents? Yeah, it's it's wild. That is so scary. And, and when you were a kid, too. I mean, I don't know how old Mariah was. I'm going to assume she was a teenager yeah, at like that point. Yeah, like 15 or 16. That you're like, oh, there's no, it's me. Yeah. It's just me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. And so... They try calling her cell phone, no answer, and they are immediately worried. Yeah. Because it's just so unlike her. If she was going to be late, she would let them know. And so they call their grandmother, and they're like, we we can't find mom. Mm-hmm. Help. So Susan's mom, Marlene, calls Susan's best friend and sister-in-law, and as we will soon find out, down bitch, yep. Val. Yeah. And so Val makes some calls, no answer. So Val shoots herself over to Susie's apartment. The kids are worried sick. And so down bitch sister-in-law Val springs into action. She is making calls. She calls Ted, her soon-to-be ex. And Ted was like, I mean, no, the last time I saw her, she was dropping off the kids. I have the kids here. So then she calls her friend Linda because she was- Linda Gay. Yeah, Linda Gay. I'm just going to say, I can't not say her last name. Linda Gay. Do you think she was gay? No, there's plenty of people with last name Gay, but Linda Gay just sounds like, Linda Gay? Yeah. How are you today? Yeah. Hey, hey. Oh, Linda Gay. On my way to say, hey, hey. Linda Gay. Oh, baby. What do you say? Hey, hey. Uh-uh. What? What? Chicken hey, butt. Hey. You're Linda Gay. All the way. All the way, May. Linda Gay. Linda Gay was born in May. What else can I say? Linda Gay. Linda Gay, you know she slays. <laughs> oh, Linda Gay, I'm on my way. Could we have some chicken today? Linda Gay, you know what I'm going to say. I love chicken. Any day that ends with Y. Okay, I fucked that up. I fucked that up. I would like a redo. It was perfect. What would I love Bobby Baca. Bobby Baca. Oh, I forgot about Bobby Baca. Bobby, Bobby ba- Baca. She's the one. Bobby, Bobby Baca. Baca. This case been won. Bobby, Bobby Baca. Baca. <laughs> Bobby Baco, what did you say? Have you heard of Linda, Linda Gay? Gay? Hey, hey, Bobby and Linda Gay. Val reaches out to her and learns that Susan left Linda's house at around 9.30 p.m. to go and meet her new boyfriend. Your adrenaline starts to rush and you know when you know something is wrong and just doesn't feel right. So down bitch sister Val calls Linda and was like, where was she last night? And Linda's like, I don't know. We were sitting, sipping Chablis, talking about boys. And she left at 930 and she was going to go visit the guy that she's been dating. So now we find out that Susan has a boyfriend. So Val calls new boyfriend Brad Holzer and is like, "Uh, what's up? Where the fuck is Susan? She didn't come home last night. And Brad says, "Uh, I dropped her off at home last night at 5 a.m. So Val is like, fuck this. I'm calling the cops. Yeah, because it's like, dropped her off at 5 a.m. And he goes, I dropped her off at 5 a.m., so she should be at home. Okay, I don't know. What, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah, I, well, okay, she's not she, home. She's not home. Yeah. Do you have more to contribute to this story? So down bitch Val calls the police, and the police, they waste no time. They go straight to Susan's apartment. Now, I want to tell you, the cops that are on this show, so far, like, they are on their shit. I know. We've had, honestly, because I think you and I are always like, no, you all missed the boat we're here. We're fair. I yeah. think we're fair. And when I I like calling shit out when they do right by the family, and it just feels like they really investigate rather than kind of, you know, doing the up in the arms emoji, which makes me mad and upset. I, it just makes me hurt for the family. But, like, I think they do... 
I think it's this show. I yeah. think they, they find really good investigators yeah. on this show. Because nobody here was like, well, she's a grown adult, and if she wants to go missing, she can go missing. I love go not hearing that. Go and fuck yourself. Yeah. It is very refreshing. Glendive Police in Dawson County head straight to Susan's apartment. Thank you so they much. need to retrace Susan's movements from the night before. Of course. What was most concerning about this case is the fact that she had not been in contact with her children, which was so unlike her that something had to have happened to her. Do you know where she was going? To her friend Linda's house. Linda who? Linda Gay. So yeah, the Glendive Police Department sends some people over and they're immediately like, okay, tell us, tell us everything. Where did she go? And they're like, well, she, she went to her friend Linda Gates. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. We on the way. And they're like, great. Let's go to Linda Gates. And they they knock on that door. They're like, hi, Linda Gay. It's us, the cops. They what? sang her song. Yep. She hey. was like, hey, boop, I can't open the door until you sing my song. I'm so sorry. I'm like, under it, contract. And then they whispered it. They yeah. were like, oh, Linda Gay, we are here to say, hey, hey, open the door. Come on down. We won't be coming back around. Linda Gay, answer the door. What's the problem? You on the floor? <laughs> Linda Gay, get down here now. Here we go. I say, how now? What? <laughs> Sometimes they're winners. And sometimes I would do better if I was high with this. So she was like, Linda said everything. She's like, she came over I, I, a casual, you know, gab night. She was dating this new guy, Brad. And she was like, now, I don't know if you know this. What? You know how people think that like men talk to men, like, quote, like locker room talk, like men talk dirty. Yeah. That's not the case. Women are disgusting. Oh. Women will dissect everything. If Linda Gay and Susan sat there over a bottle of Chablis, like, we're talking about boys, we're talking about body hair, we're talking about orgasms, we're talking about oral, we're yeah. talking about everything. Cue the music! Yes. Let's talk about you and me! I'm telling you. And then Linda says, He made her happy. <laughs> Direct translation, he knew how to do oral. We're all adults here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not everybody knows. Straight men aren't it. You're not, you're never gonna be as funny as a gay man. You're never gonna be as empathetic and fantastic as a girlfriend. So if you know what you're doing in, you know, the southern regions of my body, you know your place. I mean, you know what? I support that. Yeah, it's true. Good. I'm good for you. So Linda's like, listen, we're talking, we're kikiing, going back and forth, and at 9:30, Brad calls and says, Hey, do you want to meet up? Linda's like, your dick appointment. <laughs> listen, we're all adults here. This woman has four kids. I mean, she listen. does not get enough alone time. If you are not spending your alone time having someone tend to your nether regions, you're yeah. doing it wrong. Listen, also, she's about to be divorced for the second time. Yeah. yeah, four kids. She's like, I'm just living my best life. I support you. And so did best friend Linda. Linda was like, go to your dick yeah. appointment and yeah. have fun. So they go to talk to Brad. And you know what? They discover that Brad is a really nice guy, mm -hmm. super open and honest, looking for true love. Just kidding. Brad is married. <laughs> Brad, Brad is like, fully married. Brad is like, they were like, we need to talk to you. And he was like, one second, can we step outside? Because my wife is in there. Not just my wife. My three children. Now, if I had to rate my interest level once he said my wife is in there... I'm at like uh, Hillary Clinton circa 1998 when she was asking questions about Monica Lewinsky. Oh, yeah. I was like, Bidip. oh yeah, I was ready. All the to antennas listen. are up and going because, well, 
I was very interested. And then I was like, okay, hold on. Everybody's got a different situation. Maybe they're open. Maybe they're poly. But I still want to know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. So Brad is like, look, here's what happened. I dropped Susan off at her apartment at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time I saw her. And he's like, she was wearing my sweatshirt and had her black leather jacket draped over her arm. If he dropped her off 10 feet from her door mm-hmm. and she's missing, something ain't quite right. Yeah. So Brad is immediately suspect number one. Yeah. And they were like, well, since your wife and kids are here, do you want to go stuck down at the station because I know we got to figure out the legal stuff. We're here to find out what happened to Susan, but like Ellen wants to know what. Yeah, Ellen's pressing questions. This is a pressing. Ellen's a nosy Nelly. Yeah. If Brad is lying, detectives need to prove it. Officers, you want to get this area secure, please? The Montana Division of Criminal Investigation is brought in to help search for forensic evidence outside Susan's apartment. And in their search, they find something suspicious in an alley that runs alongside Susan's apartment. Yeah. Now, these reenactment actors were going to find something because I don't know what kind of forensic team they are, but they are dressed in, like, pandemic suits. Yes. They are in full body. The extras were like, we brought brought our own stuff. They're like... (laughs) Literally. What are they called? Hazmat? Yeah, they're like in hazmat suits. Yeah. I was like, calm down, boys. We'll, yeah. we'll find it. Yeah. So they find some footprints, but more interesting than the footprints, we'll get to that. It looked like drag marks yeah. from someone's feet. I don't mean like putting fake eyelashes and sequins and big earrings drag. Yeah. I mean like drag. Dragged. Somebody was dragged. And so these footprints also look like someone was pacing. I was like, wow. Yeah, right at the entrance to her apartment building. How did building. you like see that? Like it, it was like same foot marks back and forth. I was like, that's pretty immaculate investigating, right? It is. Also like... What are the chances that in front of her apartment building that there's anything that could create footprints? You know what I mean? You would think that it would just be cement. So now investigators are like, okay, well, we got to figure out who made these prints. And about 100 yards from Susan's apartment, literally two doors down, there's a bank with an ATM. And attached to that ATM is a camera. Welcome to see no evil, baby. working cameras. What a blessing. The first time we watched that bank video... Um, we were hoping we'd see something valuable to us. Here it is. Here it is. Yeah. The bank manager cues up the footage from the morning of April 12th. Now, in this footage, you can't see Susan's door, but you can, if you were to imagine the frame of the camera, Susan's door would be just to the right of where we're looking. Yeah. So you could kind of see what was coming and going, but you couldn't actually see her door. Yeah, and you could see directly across the street mm-hmm. from her apartment. And the resolution is shit, y'all. Uh, it's not great. Grainy as fuck. So they are like, all right, let's start at 4.45 a.m., And seven minutes pass, and we see headlights pull up across the street from Susan's apartment building, and then the headlights go off. 27 minutes pass, and then we see, like, a little red light come on, Mm -hmm. which they think is, like, the truck's interior dome light. And the headlights flash out of frame, and then the vehicle disappears for a second. 
then we see it drive out of you. Yeah. And again, it's still grainy and it like looks like a pickup truck, but they can't really tell. I mean, they're looking for anything. They're looking for Susan. They're looking for a struggle. They're looking for anything, but they're like, I think that's Brad's car. Yeah. They don't see her get out. So they were like, I mean, let's take this footage and like see what else we can find from it. And in the meantime, they bring old bratty Brad with a wife and three kids and also a girlfriend down to the station and we get my favorite thing the interrogation video we do and they want to know the details of that night and to see if his story matches what they have on video so he's like well we drove out to the river and we talked and made out and then we hit like 4 30 a.m and he was like okay we should we should go and so the cop interviewing asks well where did you park when you got to susan's and brad says directly across the street from Susan's, which we saw on Mm -hmm. the video. And he explains that they sat in the truck for like 15, 20 minutes, chatted. She got out, walked across the street. He backed up and then drove away. So now that ATM footage does corroborate part of Brad's story. Yeah, everything does sound really spot on as to what Brad is saying. They're not like, you know, throwing in the towel on suspecting him But it was that same spot that the camera picked him up. That timing all looks good. But they can't actually corroborate that Susan got out of the truck. They're just thinking that that little red light would probably suggest that maybe the car door was open. But his story seems pretty legit. And so then one of the investigators says, You still have a lot of unanswered questions. Same, same. same. Yeah. yeah. Like, are you separated? I'm not passing judgment. I lived with my ex for 18 months after we were separated and I was dating someone else. But, yeah. like, you didn't want your wife to hear. I still have some nosy Nelly questions. Yeah. Well, Brad says, like, I went straight home. This is important. He's like, I live three minutes away and I was asleep by 5.30 a.m., mm-hmm. right? So the police are like, hey, uh, I know you're married and all that stuff, but we're going to have to bring your wife in. Yeah. I was like, here we go. Because... I know that the see no evil people have our back. I know we're going to find out what happened to Susan. It's just like, this is the part of the story I want to get wrapped up. Yeah. You know? And like, his wife, yes, absolutely same. And so it turns out that his wife, Sam, she had some interesting things to say. It turns <laughs> out that they have a situation. Yep. And turns out that they lived together, but they were somewhat estranged. And so the night in question Sam was actually at another dude's house. What show is this? I know. And she was like, yeah, no. They're like, we hate to tell you this, but, you know, he was seeing someone else. And she's like, I mean, I'm seeing someone else. Yeah, I was so... like, I would like to request Holzer's house for like a new reality show. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm and... not judging. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. I mean, and listen. she was very helpful. We have all lived with exes for a while. <sighs> I mean, I know you, you definitely yeah. did. I definitely have lived with an ex for a while yeah. because you're figuring it out. And it's not great. So Sam says, yes, I was at another dude's house. I got home. At 5.30 a.m. Why is everybody getting home so late? I know. It's very late. Yeah. Even for me. Yeah. And the bed, she's like, I got home. The bedroom door was closed. I opened it and Brad was asleep in bed. So now he has an alibi. Done. Yeah. And she was really helpful and really cooperative. And they were like, okay, before we let you go, Brad, one more question. Come on in here. Do you know where Susan is at? And he's like, I really don't. But you know what? You should ask Ted, her soon-to-be ex-husband, because... He might have something to do with this. And the cop was like, well, why would you think that? And Brad was like, 
Ted can't let her go. Yeah. He is very controlling, like super controlling. So obviously investigators are like, thank you, we'll look into Ted. And they do. Mm-hmm. And he is controlling. And he's been charged with domestic violence against Susan. Yep. But like, you were supposed to be home watching your girls, right? Okay, this needs some tying up. So they bring in Ted and they were like, hi, welcome. We understand you and your soon-to-be ex-wife have a bad relationship. Is there any abuse? And he says... Probably in her eyes more so than, than mine, you know. Say, say more. Yeah, well, come, on, come on my what? Yeah, say more. Say more. So... It turns out she left him because of abuse. She wanted out and she got out. And not just that. He was so controlling that he was following her everywhere. And her mother was like, it was it was a terrible situation yeah. for her, but she got out. Yeah. Good for her. And they asked Ted, like, did you know she was seeing someone else? And he says, well, someone told me that they saw Susan and her new boyfriend in a grocery store, like, hugging and kissing. I'm mm-hmm. like, it was probably that you. Yeah. You were that yeah, person who you told care? yourself that. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> I don't judge because grocery stores are romantic. Okay. <laughs> when I, I stand in front of an aisle full of Cheez-Its, it's like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in the movie You've Got Mail. I'm talking <laughs> romance. Okay. <laughs> and I'm Meg Ryan. Just in a cardigan. So now Ted is, like, more suspicious than ever. Yeah. So where was he on the morning Susan disappeared? I went to City Hall that morning and stripped in last floors. So they're like, okay, cool. So like walk us through your morning, the morning that she went missing. And he's like, I went to work. I was due at City Hall. Stripping. Uh, yeah. He was stripping. Yeah. I mean, who knew there was a strip club at, at City Hall in Glendive? Honey. I- just, just head in a thong, no, no, on, no. swinging around a pole, gyrating while Selena Gomez is playing in the background. I just wanna look good for you, good for you. Uh-huh. He was stripping at City Hall. That's I a love, job I want, sweetheart. What? I, I love you so much. What? He was stripping the floors, stripping the floors, There's stripping you- on the floors. Mm-mm-mm. No. You know what? Yes. I mean, there you go. Hey, but I just don't understand why he had to go in so. What do you have to do? God, I have to be, I'm due at 5.30 a.m. at City Hall to strip on the floors. Yeah. That's great. Could you imagine? You get hired. You're just there in a Speedo. They're like, Mr. Taranto. You're like, what? You just have a boombox. Boop, boop, boop. Boop, 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 boop. Can you turn that down? Can you turn that down? Ted says he dropped the kids off at his brother's house before heading to work around 5.45. Did you go straight to City Hall? Pretty close. I uh, drove by Susie's apartment on the way. He's like, look, I dropped off my kids at my brother's house just before heading to work around 5.45 a.m. And they're like, well, did you go straight to work? And he goes, well, yeah, but like, I drove by Susie's apartment on the way. Say more about that. So they queue up that footage to 5.50 a.m. And now they're looking for another pickup truck. Because we ever already got pickup trucks. Yep. This time they're looking for Ted's. They're watching. They're watching. Nothing. Then they see a little light reflect off the glass. And at 5.52, a car drives through the frame and we don't see it again. And after a little digging, they're able to determine that that truck was indeed Ted's. Now, this drive 
is on the way to City Hall, okay? There's no signs that the truck stopped, and the video sort of, like, corroborates Ted's story as well. And a co-worker at City Hall confirmed that Ted got there just before 6 a.m. This episode is truly like Scream. Because, you know, in the movie Scream, they just—you think everyone's the killer. Yeah. You think everyone is. And it's—this series really does that. Like, Why are both men in her life, in the frame, around her house, at the same time? It is— it's uh, then creepy. I started thinking, are they working together? Yeah. Like, what, what? This is too weird. It is very weird. It is very weird. Meanwhile, the family is still terrified. So And I want to say that, like, these investigators are working under a fast timeline. Like, yeah. they were not waiting 48 hours, 72 hours. Like, they were doing this within the first 24 hours. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It, it's terrifying because something had to have happened between Brad dropping her off and her walk to her front door. It's terrifying. And it's a, yeah, I mean, what's even crazier is what a small window of time and also the fact that she was right in front of her home. Yeah. So they're looking at the footage for any clue, any movement. Then they see something. 19 minutes after Brad drops Susan off, there's someone walking down the street. Weird time to be out, maybe. I don't know. People have jobs to go to. People take morning walks. I don't know. But obviously they have to check it out. And one minute later, they see lights and a car drive past Susie's apartment. And then eight minutes later, at 5.47 a.m., the same vehicle drives back from the way it came. So now they're thinking, is this early morning stroller connected to that vehicle? And the problem is, is that the footage is not clear enough to get a plate number or even a make and model. Yeah. So now they're like, well, what other business? This is very smart. Yeah. They're like, what other businesses nearby have security cameras? And another bank. Another bank has one. But was it on? Was it recorded over? 30 yards away. Yeah. I mean, is it going to be usable? They don't know. Detectives cue the video to 546, just before the mystery vehicle drove away from Susan's apartment. And they see that mystery car. So, again, to give you a view, this camera gives you a view of Susie's apartment 60 yards to the left now. Now, I don't know what a yard is. I don't know what 60 yards is. Are we in England? I don't, I don't know. know. How many paces is that? No. Is is that is that 60 paces? Yes. I, I know what Scotland Yard is. Yeah. I don't know what an actual yard is. I need broken down in like city blocks. Okay. Because I can like walk a city block in like a minute. So Well, let's get the Baton Rouge police in here because they are very good with math. I don't understand why. (laughs) Like, is is that someone says, I don't know, it's a hundred yards away. I'm like, is that close or is that far? I don't, I have no fucking clue. Can I walk there or do I need to call an Uber? Exactly. I I have, somebody help me. I'm very nice. Also, what is yards and gay? Because, you know, gay people just walk faster. you do walk so fast sometimes. And I walk fast. So when you walk faster than me, I'm like, okay, you're walking way too fast. Because yeah. I already well, walk we, fast. You learn that at a young age. Because if you're a gay that's moving too slow, you are a walking target. Yeah. You are a sitting duck. Sure. Gay people are on the move. I do They're not on understand the, the metric system. And I don't understand gay walk. Well, we'll talk about it later. You walk, walk, <laughs> sissy walk. What you gonna do? You gonna sissy walk. You gonna walk, walk, sissy walk. Walk, you gonna walk, you gonna sissy walk. I'm going yard. on a talk. To talk yard. to Linda Gay. Yards. She's right on, on the way. How many yards is that walk? You got a sissy walk? <laughs> the point is, they say 60 yards. I don't know if that is close. But we know that Susie's apartment is to the left. So that car is driving 
away from Susie's apartment. And we see clear as day that it is a silver mini-man. It's a silver mini-man. That man is mini. So all of a sudden, the guy from the Tin Man walks. He's like, he's like, if I only had a brain, cluck, cluck, cluck. What show is this? Did you see the Tin Man? Yeah, I saw that Silver Man. He walked a (laughs) hundred yards that way. I didn't even say Silver Man. I said Mini Man. Okay, so all a mess. Okay, Silver, but you said Silver (laughs) Mini Man. Silver Mini Man. Jesus Lord. So they see this silver minivan drive fast into frame and out, and they compare it to the vehicle from the ATM footage, and undoubtedly, it is the same same vehicle. So now Susan's family calls the police to tell them something important, and this is crazy. Yep. That's when Susan's family call police with a new lead that could crack the case wide open. Susan's daughter has hacked into her mom's phone after guessing her password. So Mariah, her oldest daughter, the teenager, yeah, got into her mom's phone by guessing the password. I have never done that. Never, not once. I am just saying the fact that my ex's password was one, two, three, four, five, that's on him. (laughs) And that it... You should have known better. That's on dumb. Yeah. That's on, you should have known better. Yeah. So go off, Mariah. I'm sending her a certificate to DBU, by the way. Absolutely. Pack that shit if you have to. And so all of a sudden she's like, there's messages on my mom's phone that you need to listen to. And it's not just a few. It's 30 voicemails ranging from sad to agitated. Yeah. And we hear the actual messages and they all come from one man. Please. Everybody is very worried about you. Please call me. I'm worried. Please let me know that you're okay. If you don't call me back at one o'clock, I still need to hear from you, please. And that man is Mariah N. Shea's biological father. That's Susan's first husband. And the messages were like, please call me. Why can't I need to get in touch with you? I'm worried about you. Please call me. And I mean, they really are wild. So the cops are like, wait, who is that? And then Mariah says, it's my dad. That means that it's Mariah and Shay's biological father, Susan's first husband. And they're like, well, Mariah, do you know what kind of vehicle your dad drives? And she goes, I sure do. It's a silver minivan. And this man's name was Marty Larson. And they were like, cool. Someone get Marty on the fucking phone. Well, Marty lives three hours away in Billings and they call him in for questioning. And he has some things to say. Buckle up, y'all, because yep. this is this is a barrel full of stupid. Yeah. They ask him, when was the last time you were in Glendive? And he's like, oh, Friday night. Yeah. The night Susan disappeared. Mm -hmm. And they ask him, well, what time did you get to Glendive? And he's like, oh, huh. Must have been about 4.30 a.m., quarter till five. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, what did you do when you got here? And he was like, well, yeah, because we spoke. And then she was like, I'm going to call you back. And she never called. And I texted her and I called her and she never called me back. So the logical thing was to drive three hours to see if my ex-wife was okay in the middle of the night. So he gets to Susan's place. 
somehow gets into her building, knocks on her door at 5 a.m. And it's just like, hello, is anybody home? And no one answers. Is everything okay? Yeah. So then he tries to call her. No answer. And he was like, I was just, I just got worried. And he was just like, okay, well, I guess she's not home. I guess I'll drive back to Billings. And that's what he says. He's like, I just went back to Billings. I I stopped for some gas on the way. And then I I went back home to Billings. So that means that that shadowy figure we see on the ATM camera, that's Marty. Yeah. And they were like, okay, so, so sorry. It just, just like treat me like I'm a five-year-old. Like, let me walk me through this. So she said she was going to call. She didn't. I mean, she's got four kids and a job and all these things. And so your immediate thought wasn't like, oh, she's busy. She forgot to call me back. So when she didn't answer the phone, you drove home night. Not only did you drive all night, you drove 500 miles. I would drive 500 miles and I would drive 500 more. To be the creepy ex-husband that drove 500 miles because your ex-wife forgot to call you back? I, I, Something ain't adding this, up. Yeah, like go open up the Bible of bullshit to like verse 24, yes. verse 7. Thou shalt not try me, Marty. This doesn't sound what we call above board. Yeah, I mean, I don't need to be a mathematician, a scientist, or a a gynecologist to know that this is not... Who drives 500 miles in the middle of the fucking night to check on their ex-wife? Because it's not like 20 minutes. No. Or even 45 minutes. 500 miles. Three hours. So now Marty says, I've never hurt her. I've never had a reason to hurt her. I would never hurt her. And the police are like, okay, so let's talk about what you were wearing the night that you, you drove there. And he's like, well, I was wearing jeans, a white T-shirt, a Nike hoodie. And, um, oh, I just like these, these, these shoes I have on, these white New Balance. I was wearing these that night. And then they were like, cool, what size do you wear? And then he says... Nine and a half, ten, ten and a half. Excuse me? <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, what size should you wear? Oh, I don't know. Like seven, seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, nine, nine and a half, ten, eleven, twelve, fourteen. I wear fourteen? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Does your mom buy your shoes for you? <laughs> How do you not know what fucking size shoe you wear? Yeah. You just gave three sizes. Yeah. And they were you like. You sound like Dolly Parton and Steel Magnolias. Exactly. Well, in a good shoe, I wear a size seven, but an eight feels good. I wear a size nine. They're ten. Perfect. Exactly. So he was like, there were these shoes. And they were like, okay, well, all right. Well, that footprint doesn't match that footprint that we found out. And then the narrator says, there's no evidence to suggest that Marty's guilty. Well, he's guilty of getting on my fucking nerves and being suspicious as fuck. Very that. I mean, the whole thing, the fact that three men in her life we're all here. That's already wackadoodle. Yes. But this Marty thing, this this doesn't. And then, oh my God, what about? Oh, I know. Well, here's the thing, though. Sadly, in a court of law, I don't think that your irritation will uh, suffice for a subpoena to get a warrant for his arrest in Montana. Maybe not. Maybe in San Francisco. Okay. They're like, did you say Alan Marsh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought I thought it was fine for all the states and also Mexico and Canada. It should be. Yeah. We'll work on that. So the investigators leave because they don't have anything concrete 
to hold him on and then tell him, tell them what he did. This man does a three-act play, the likes of which I can only imagine are in, like, Tampa's dinner theater of Death of a Salesman. He sits there knowing full goddamn well there is a camera on him, and he's like, Oh, Susie, where are you? I have seen better acting on canceled Disney shows from the early aughts. Sir, I don't know if you think that this is Angelo's America over at the Flip Flop Cabaret and Bogalusa, but you are sorely mistaken. Sir, I checked my receipt and I did not buy any of your bullshit. Not then, not now, not ever. What is happening? This is very strange because I'm like, every man in town and the surrounding areas are obsessed with Susie. Yeah. It's all very strange. Oh, Susie, where are you, honey? Get the fuck out of here. So, like we said, they have nothing to hold Marty. They let him go. But they have to verify the rest of his story. So now investigators are like, okay, so remember that gas station that he said he stopped at to fill up his tank? Let's go check it out. I'm sure they have cameras. And guess what? They do. Yeah. And they work. And they were plugged in. And no one recorded over them. Nope. Because we're on scene. That's right. And they cue it up, and it is the second half of The Wizard of Oz because it is in color, and it is a crisp, nice shot. So they're watching. They're watching. I mean, could you imagine also, because they didn't have a, a gas receipt or anything. No. So they didn't know what time. Could you imagine just, like, watching that and just being like, what is that? What is that? You yeah. Know? But 8.15 a.m., a silver minivan matching Marty's minivan pulls in. And it is Marty's car. My heart jumped. Yep. I was like, oh. Uh-huh. And we see him fill up the tank, go inside, buy some shit, come back out, and leave. Nothing weird. No. Nothing suspicious. So it's just like Marty told the police, but here's the problem. He left at 545, but it's only 70 miles to Mouse City, and he didn't show up till 815. Mr. Larson's story just did not add up. Police wonder what he was doing during that missing hour and a half. So if he left at 5.45 a.m., which we see him leave on that camera, right, the second bank, and he pulled up to that gas station at 8.15, that's 90 minutes. Yeah, that timeline doesn't add no, up. No, that are not, it's not accounted for. Yeah, where's that 90 minutes? So they're like, okay, all right, let's... Let's zoom in our focus. So they go to the internal camera, the internal camera from the the gas gas station. station. They're like, all right, let's check his clothes against, yeah, white shirt, jeans. He said he was wearing those New Balance sneakers that he was wearing in the interrogation. Wait a second. Yeah. Those New Balance were white, and he is most certainly wearing black black shoes. I mean, the detail. It's its its amazing. It's an amazing thing to catch. And this dumb, dumb Marty did not think this through. So why is Marty lying? So because of this, officers are actually able to get a search warrant for Marty's silver minivan. Which is crazy. Because playing devil's advocate for a second, he could have been like, oh yeah, I was wearing my black shoes. Yeah, I like, forgot. He, I forgot. You know, how do I remember what, you know what I mean? But like, I think that timeline totally, totally was totally. enough. And now, of course, the van, it's been recently cleaned mm-hmm. and you could see not just cleaned yo oh, like fucking detailed. power pressure, yeah. pressure washed because there was condensation still on the inside of that van on the windows Gross. 
the cargo area of the minivan soaked with scrubbed. water. Scrubbed. Yeah. And, and there's scrub marks. Yeah. Literally, like, you know, the washing marks like that you can see. So they look through that car. Nothing. Everything is clean. Everything is clean. Damn it. Except they find one little tiny blonde hair. It's enough. It's enough. And it's a match for Susan's hair. Yep. One little hair, baby. That's all it takes to prove that Susan was in that car. It is a DNA match. Now, they can't arrest Marty. Because there's no body. What if she's missing? What if she met missing on purpose? What if this a fluke? What if the hair came in with the kids? Who knows? On May 6th, 24 days after Susan vanished, there's a break in the case. person who worked for Fish and Wildlife uh, was, on, was on the river, on the Yellowstone River, and uh, discovered uh, a body. That's 27 miles from her apartment. Not only that, it's the route that would have been on the way to the gas station. Yep. And the police are called, and very quickly they're able to determine that it is sadly Susan Casey. And she had a broken hyoid bone, which indicated that she had been strangled. Mm-hmm. Your hyoid bone is that bone that doesn't articulate with any other bone in your body, yeah. It's oh. just all you have to do. I mean, that that's what they say in, like, self-defense classes. Like, right. if you can, like, hit, you know, if you're being attacked, like, hit someone in the neck. Yeah. Because then you, like, can't breathe. It's it's really scary. It's very scary. And so they have to break the news to the family. They are devastated. And they tell, I mean, I can't imagine sitting down. Yeah. I had to do it in my family. It sucks telling yeah. kids that their mom's not coming back. Yeah. It's just horrible. It's horrible. My heart breaks for that family. It's, it's t- fucking terrible. Yeah. So now they have enough to arrest Marty. So they think that Marty knew that Susan was dating a new man and that he watched from her doorway while Brad pulled up that night. And then, okay, I am not I am not blaming Brad for this, but just as a cautionary tale, Brad drove away before she got in her front door. Listen, it was late. It was quiet. It's a quiet neighborhood. I get it. I am not blaming Brad at all. Please just watch your friends and neighbors and loved ones get into their front fucking door. And that's not a guarantee that someone is safe, of course. Somebody can be inside. But please, please just watch that person get in the door. Oh, I have chills. I was trained from birth to do that. It's just 40 steps. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure that they were exhausted. I'm sure they were both exhausted. And they're like, this is a safe town. Shit like this doesn't happen. So they think that after Brad drove away, that Marty was there waiting for her. In that alley Mm -hmm. that was right next to her building. And that he came out of nowhere and surprised her. They say that on April 11th, Marty found out that Susan had a new man in her life Mm -hmm. and could not deal with it. Yeah. So when Susan and Brad pulled up, he was watching and it was literally, he couldn't deal with it. Yeah. And so obviously what he did, he did in a fit of rage. Yeah. And we don't know what transpired other than He attacked her. Yeah. And dragged her back to the alley. And strangled her to death. Yeah. And then walked back to get his car. Walked across that camera from the ATM that we saw. And that's, you know how we saw just a couple of minutes later, we see that van come back into frame. Mm -hmm. And then a few minutes later, we see it leave again. Right. So he walked. So imagine it's kind of like a Z, right? Like he walked past the ATM, drove back to where the alley was, and then drove away, then passing that second bank camera on his way 
to put her in the river and not in the episode, but she was definitely not alive when she entered the water. The camera footage in solving this case was some of the most important evidence that I've seen factor into a difficult case. In 2013, Marty Larson is found guilty of deliberate homicide and sentenced to 100 years behind bars. He was going to get what he deserved for killing Susie. The amazing thing about this show and that when we see this amazing investigative work is that like meticulous analysis of that CCTV. That was integral to finding out exactly what happened. And the only way that he was able to be taken to trial. And obviously he was found guilty of homicide. And Marty is sentenced to 100 years in prison rot in hell in 2013. Yeah. Your own children. You robbed them of a mother. You robbed that mother of a daughter, of a sister, of a best friend. You robbed all those people. Rot in hell. So, So here's a little bit of side research that I did. In 1998... When Marty and Susan got a divorce, he made it clear he did not want a divorce to the point where he threw a little baby hissy fit and was like he didn't even want to see his kids. Wow. That same year, 1998, he was charged and convicted of trespassing and stalking Susan and her family. Court records then showed between April 10th and April 12th, he made 44 calls to Susan. I would call that stalking. Wow. And the day before her disappearance, Susan had complained that Marty was calling her and her husband, and she asked Mariah how to block numbers on her cell phone. There's more. So Brad, the man that Susie was dating at the time, he had received emails from like a weird email the day before Susie went missing from a person using the name Denise Johnson and was like, how's your girlfriend? How does your wife feel about it? And like tons of emails. Moreover, he sent emails to Brad's wife, Sam, and she received calls from a person that was like, stop messing. You tell your husband to stop messing with a married woman. And an investigation showed all of those calls and all of those emails were from Marty from fake accounts that he had created on his computer. What? Yep. And his stalking behavior had continued because the night before Ted received a call Ted, her soon-to-be ex-husband, received a call and said, Brad Holzer's been screwing your wife. And Ted's like, who? So he he was in a spiral and he was he was terrorizing everyone. Brad, Brad's wife, the family. He had fucking lost the plot. But here's what. Who did she tell? She was like, this is, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just that thing where you're like, oh, he's just being wacky, kooky, crazy. No, he, he had is. lost it. Yeah. I wonder, too, because, I mean, it, that means that they had been divorced for 10 years. Yeah. She had remarried, had two other kids. Like, But maybe he thought, like, oh, she's she, getting divorced uh, from him. Maybe I can slip on back in there again. He never wanted to get divorced in the first place. Right. <sighs> that is crazy. And, and, and stop. Stop controlling women. 
Stop having your little ego fits and involving women. Go to therapy. Go find a friend. Go join a bowling league. Go do something else besides sitting. Call your therapist. Yeah, call your therapist. Literally. It is not a woman's fault or responsibility to manage your emotions when you can't deal with rejection. Or your disappointment. It is wild. I mean, that's a lot of time to pass. That is a lot of time to pass. Wow. Yeah. She wow. just, she deserved none of that. And I feel so bad for those kids. I mean, that's the thing those I keep thinking about. Kids. And Grandma Marlene, we just, we're sending you all so much love and say something funny. Lord Jesus, you throw, I mean, literally, you're thrusting this onto me. Yeah. But you know what? What? I think. Should we sing the song? I think it's time. Linda Gay. How's your day? By the way, I'm on the way. Hey, what you got to say today, Linda Gay? I'm on the way. She loves the hay. Hey, hey, what do you say? Linda Gay's ears are burning. They are burning. Oh, man. What a fucking story. Poor fucking Susie. I just, I just be better. People just fucking be better. Anyway, we love you down bitches. We love this show. Thank you for letting us come into your ears, in your kitchens, in your cars. And if you want more of me and Joey, come find us on the Patreon. We are always having a blast. I mean, we are doing some of our best work with Southern Fried Homicide right it now. It really is so good. For those of you who don't know, we have the narrator of Southern Fried Homicide, Shanna. We call her Shanna Banana. She is from Louisiana, and we absolutely love her. It's a great show. It is. And I like, there's so many inside jokes now. Like, don't miss out on the inside yeah. jokes. It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic show. And please, if you are not, please connect with us on social media. We would love for you to follow us on Instagram. We are creating daily content for you that is probably life-changing <laughs> and will probably help you in your life and your career, I'm thinking. We're at I Think Not Pod on Instagram, Twitter, uh-huh. and TikTok. And you can also find us each on Instagram. Ellen is at Ellen Marsh, Ellen with a Y. And you can find me at It's Joey Taranto. I mean, I think our social media is a lot of fun. It's really hysterical and will probably get me written out of the will because my mother is ashamed. Yeah. I mean, I'm ashamed of you too, but I would never say that to your face. Um, <laughs> And also join us on the Facebook group. We just have a fantastic community of really supportive people. Sometimes we're happy. Sometimes we're sad. Sometimes we're silly. And sometimes I show pictures of Joey's butt. You can find us on Facebook at I Think Not Pod Discussion Group there. And we just love connecting with you. And we would love it if you would head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review and tell people why you like us. Because it really does help us in the algorithm and it really helps other people find us. And, and I read them. Okay? I read them. Yeah. I read them. And I don't because I am sensitive. We love you. I love we you, We love you. I love you too, Yellow Marsh. We love you, down bitches. Love y'all. Bye. Bye. Maybe this is why Patrick asked a long time ago if I got high before the podcast. <laughs> you guys. Patrick goes, I don't want to be rude, but like, does Joey get stoned for your podcast? Let me tell I you. I have never. Never. And I, you know me. I you cannot. and I are a waste of space when we're high. Absolutely. I think it's because we're so full of life in life. Yeah. That the weed is like, boom. It's like that closed down sound on yes. your computer. Absolutely. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And then. I don't know the clothes. Yeah, I mean, but I'm literally like, when people are like, oh, we're literally a friend messaged me and said, hey, Joey, do you know where I can get some Molly? And I was like, 
Do I look like yeah. somebody who fucks with Molly? Yeah. I guess I do. But the truth is, I don't want anything that's going to take me further up. Oh, thank you. Take me way down. Yeah, that's, that's a no for so me. So the answer to that question is, if it's not me laying on my bed watching Golden Girls, I, I can't. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, I need to go to the to the Walgreens yeah. high. No. I could never. No. And also, I don't, yeah, we don't need drugs to bring us up. Yeah. I, I don't need drugs for more of a no. personality. Trust me, when I woke up this morning, I had no plans to be this awesome. Yeah. It just happened. <laughs> and Disney is different because if it's just you and me, like, oh that's different. Like, we can giggle and be like, oh, you were me too. Okay, let's not talk. Well, I'm, uh, 20 minutes. Let's reconvene in 20 minutes and see how we feel. <laughs> oh, boy. What's this podcast Hi, called is again? here? <laughs> and so did best friend Linda. Linda was like, go to your dick yeah. appointment and yeah. have fun. And so, um... So the police are like, okay, we got to go. <laughs> we got to go to Brad's. I'm sorry. <laughs> that just wasn't in the cards for me today, oh, Linda. Yeah, uh, go get your pussy A. <laughs> go ahead. I support it. Listen. <laughs> There's priorities and women understand Treat it. Treat it like a Shoney's buffet. Go ahead. <laughs> wow, that's niche. Anyway, so it's like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in the movie You've Got Mail. I'm talking romance, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I, Meg Ryan, just in a cardigan. <laughs> anyway, so now Ted. What do cardigans have to do with it? Because she wears cardigans throughout that whole movie. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it 500 times. <laughs> 